I'm Heather, and this is the Living with Addiction podcast, where I show you how you have more power than you realize when it comes to helping yourself and your child that's struggling with addiction. A few days ago, I did an interview with the hosts of the Safe Home podcast for struggling teens and their families finding their healing path. The hosts are 17-year-old Joey, who is recently in recovery, and his moms, Beth and Jan. And they share from their heart their experiences and struggles with addiction and mental health. I've never gone back and recorded an introduction to a podcast after doing an interview, but this interview made me want to point out a few things because they're just too important for me to take the chance that you don't hear them. First, please don't think that you won't get any value from this interview because your child is older or doesn't live at home anymore. There's so much more value here than that, no matter what age your child is. This interview was such a great reminder that when we really listen to our kids with an open mind and heart, they have a ton of wisdom to offer. My daughter didn't open up to me very often and have deep emotional conversations when she was using, but when she did, I was always in awe of her wisdom. There was way more going on than met the eye. And just because somebody is struggling with addiction doesn't mean their voice doesn't matter. And that often gets lost in the intense pain we're experiencing and the destruction that we experience from addiction. As parents, we end up doing way more talking than listening because we think if we just find the right words, we can fix them. But in trying to fix our kids, we stop listening to them. We take their story away from them because we believe a different story about their life. And sometimes... We find their story insulting. It's painful to hear. We don't agree with it. But a person can be struggling with addiction, mental health issues, doing things that they never thought that they would do, and still be able to tell you what they need from you if you listen. Joey is only 17, but his observations about relationships and connection and what a kid struggling with addiction needs are on point. So listen to what he has to say, because he was talking about things I didn't figure out until my 40s. And Joey's mothers, Beth and Jan, have a beautiful, loving approach to supporting Joey, but not enabling his addiction. There's just so much to learn from what they share as well. I mean, some of it came naturally to them, but they also worked really hard. They did the work to be on the same page as parents to come to an agreement about how to support Joey. And they worked hard at keeping their marriage healthy and happy as well. So there's so many great nuggets of insight in this interview. I wanted to make sure that you knew that this will help all parents, not just parents of teens. Hey, everybody. Welcome to a a new episode of the Living with Addiction podcast. And I am getting to interview some great guests today from the Safe Home podcast. I have Joey, Jan, and Beth on. And they all recently came up with this idea. I'm guessing it was Joey's idea. You guys can tell me more about that in a second. 
to make a podcast for struggling teens and their families who are finding their healing path. And I think it was, I've listened to all the episodes so far. I've loved it. I think it's, I would have loved to have had it when I was first dealing with my daughter's addiction. There was just the language, you know, they have their own lingo and all of the things that they do that we just don't understand. I spent so much time Googling all these different words that I would find in her phone. So I really could have used this podcast when I was first dealing with my daughter's addiction. And so I just love the message that you're sharing on the podcast, like that you're educating people, but also people getting to be in your presence and observing the way you are supporting Joey. And I think that was one of my favorite parts about it too, just seeing the way you guys interact and how safe of an environment you've created for this open dialogue about things because you're learning Beth firsthand as you're talking about things that Joey's experienced that you didn't know and that you're just creating a safe place for him to do that without any judgment. And it's a safe environment for him to be able to be open to just sharing openly. Because if you guys got off the podcast and started arguing or judging or something like that, this would never work. So that's one of the things I love listening to it is just the things that you aren't saying, but hearing that beautiful, safe environment that you're creating with this Safe Home podcast. So Joey, Jan, Beth, whoever wants to go first, do you guys want to tell us a little bit about your podcast and what really pushed you to start getting this message out there? Well, yeah. Hello, my name is Joey. I just, I don't know exactly how it came up, but I just remember me and my mom were talking in the car about like podcasts. And then I was like, wait, that sounds like a good idea. I mean, sometimes listen to podcasts like Joe Rogan and them, but I was like, huh, we could do something like that. And I think we could help some people because we've had experiences that not a lot of people talk about. And I think it would be really helpful for people to like, hear experiences firsthand and know what to do in those situations as a parent or someone who's supporting someone in need of help. So yeah, yeah, that's mainly how it became something. And it really grew over time and just a short amount of time. It grew pretty exponentially. Yeah. Is there anything you want to add to that, Beth or Jan? I'll just say this is Beth. I'm one of Joey's moms. And every time we've had a little reprieve in the chaos of addiction and all that, we always say, Joey, this is going to make an awesome book or an awesome song or an awesome movie or whatever. But no, we made a podcast out of it. So, which I think is awesome because it it will last forever. People can access the material anytime, accessible to everyone. And so we're really happy about it. And I'm so proud of Joey for really desiring to turn his pain and difficulties around and help other people. Yeah, I had a guest on, I don't know, within the first couple of weeks that I started my podcast, she has a podcast called Sober Powered. And she started it after she quit drinking. And just watching her life over the last year, her podcast is like in the top 2% now. And it's 
such a great and needed podcast. You know, she just studies all about alcohol and addiction and just talks about the facts of it, which we need more of because there's not enough of this kind of conversation like you guys were having where you were talking about, Joey, that made you want to do this podcast. I think that the more we talk about it, the less stigma there is and the less parents take it personally when their kids are struggling with addiction because I think that that's a really painful part of it. So... What's happening in your brain, Beth, as you're learning these things real time <laughs> during the podcast that you never knew before? Yeah, a lot of the stuff I knew, you know, Joey has been, had been having trouble for about three years. For a lot of that time, he was living with his dad. So I was really out of it. I didn't know very many details. So now he's back living with us and I'm hearing some of these things that he's done or that have happened to him. Like, what? I think you can hear that in my voice. Like, oh my God, she just found that out right now. Yeah. It's pretty terrifying, but it's the kind of terrifying that, well, I'm glad I didn't know about it then because I would have probably lost my, I would have lost it. But now knowing that he survived that, I'm just grateful and just a big sigh of relief. <laughs> yeah. I mean, some of the things that my daughter and I laugh about now, the stories that she tells me, like on one part of me just wants to scream and the other part of me is laughing with her. <laughs> it's yeah. just, I'm so grateful that she feels comfortable sharing that stuff with me. But on the other hand, I'm like, wow, I did not need to know uh, this. Yeah. <laughs> it's good to have a nice dark sense of humor sometimes about these kind of things too. Yeah. I mean, we laugh about things we never thought we'd laugh about. Yeah. <laughs> So in one of the episodes, or I, I think I heard you say it a couple of times, Beth, that like something good comes out of using and you kept asking, so what is that? Why do you do that? And I think that it's such a good question and such an important point because parents keep asking why, like why? Oh, I know that's what I was asking. Why are you doing this? Why won't you stop? And I never really thought about... I could only see the bad. I couldn't see any of the benefit that she could possibly be getting out of it. My daughter is who I'm talking about. And so I love that you pointed that out. And Joey, you said some of the benefit was like escaping from pain or it's just an escape from life. You yeah. want to tell us a little bit more about that to help parents understand? Because I think understanding that can help parents be a little more compassionate. Oh yeah, of course. Well, in my experience with like using, the main reason I use obviously is to escape and I'm escaping from is the stress of life, the stress that our parents put on us, especially when they don't know what's going on in our heads. And in my head, I was depressed. I was stressed. I was being bullied, things like that, where I should have been able to express that to my parents and have a nurturing environment to express that to. But I don't think my parents knew at that time what to do. So what kids usually go to is drugs or other substances or an addictive so like activity like sex or something like that to release and cope with what they are going through at that moment. So I guess what to answer your question is really just to escape from the pain of reality and reality being 
this realm. And I don't know, I could get deeper into that, but that's the best way I can explain it. Yeah. One of the things that really helped me have more compassion for my daughter and understand what she was going through is when I stopped like judging it so much and started thinking about ways that we were similar, ways that I escaped and that how really lucky I was that the ways that I was escaping were socially acceptable. And even in the case of like overworking and staying at the office until midnight every night, people thought, oh, that's great. That's successful. You're a hard worker. You have a great job. Instead of really looking at it like it's just another major imbalance in life. I think we all look to escape. And that's something I like you describing it that way because I think it helps people to relate. Mm -hmm. Instead of judging it so much, just judging the activity or what the person is using to escape. So, how did you guys go, Beth and Jan, from like where it was uncomfortable to discuss these things and not knowing how to support Joey to getting to where he could come to you and tell you these things so openly? You want to take that, Jan? The thing is, is when Joey started talking and, and he started wanting to open up and stuff, you couldn't help but just open your arms. And the one thing Joey and I talked about, I had um, addictions that I had drug problems and smoking and different things, you know, all growing up myself. And, and the way I stopped was knowing that I could help somebody else. And so Joey and I discussed that, well, hey, Joey, you're going to be helping somebody else. and so. By just taking it that way and letting him just express and open up and knowing that that's what the ultimate goal is. And I think it's just opened him up 100%. I mean, Joey is a loving kid. He's always wanted to be the one that is nurturing to anybody that wants help. And so this has just really been incredible. Yeah. I remember when Joey was first hospitalized, we didn't even know he was using substances until he was hospitalized after a suicide attempt. And I remember uh, those first few days were pretty crazy, but I remember deciding that I wasn't going to keep anything a secret from people. I'm not going to like spill my guts on Facebook or something, but it's not a secret. It's nothing to be ashamed of or to hide from. And I'm, that's, I'm so glad I did that because that enabled us to get a lot of support from our friends and family members and everything. And also it helped that framework helps when we went to visit Joey at the hospital and we said, Oh, so we hear that you've used drugs before. <laughs> I hopefully we didn't go, Oh my God, what did you do? But like, tell us about that. What, what happened? And, you know, silly me, I thought, he was hospitalized and he would no longer do drugs after that stint in the hospital. I thought that was going to be it, but totally not the end. But I think that he had a sense of honesty and just like, I have no, no more F's to give. I'm just going to lay it all out there. And so ever since that day, February 7th, 2019, Joey's been super honest with us and we've all just done the, the best we could. We're, none of us are perfect, but we're doing the best we could to just hang together and be supportive of Joey. Yeah, that was what I noticed about you guys right away when we met was just that you already had that loving, supportive, like that behavior down. But I was stuck in this wanting to be loving and supportive with my daughter, but 
always losing my temper, not being able to get it across in the right way, probably shaming her. And Joey talked about that in one of the episodes you guys did. And I thought that it was another great point to bring up because I was trying to help her. But in my effort to help her, I was probably for sure, not probably, for sure shaming her and making her feel worse. So do you have anything that you want to say about that, Joey? Like maybe some examples of what parents do that they think is helpful, but actually feel shameful when you're struggling? Oh, well, yeah. Well, it's not really the parent's fault. I don't think anything is a fault on anyone. It, it's their own misguidance through their upbringing. So yeah. it's when they s- see something that may hurt them, they're trying to s- stop it. And what the natural instinct is to stop it and really just try and stop it as soon as possible. Mm-hmm. But when in addiction and stuff like that, it's you can't stop usually cold turkey. And that's for a lot of things, not just drugs. And it, it should be like, I use this word a lot, nurture them through and accept rather than try and stop it instantly and try and get them to change. Because they're not going to change until they want to change the person that's going through the tough road. and. That's a thing that is really misunderstood is that I think parents want to change the child, but they just have to let the child do their thing and be there as a support through their own, their own life. That's the big difference is not to change the child, but to support their own life. You're so wise beyond your years. Where did you learn this? Because it took me years to figure this out. Like I kept trying to figure out how to support my daughter, but I wanted her to change. Like I needed her to change because when she changed, everything would be okay in my mind. You know, I think that's what most parents think. Like they need their kid to change so everything can be okay again. It took me years to come to that place where I could allow my daughter just to be who she was in that moment and love her exactly like she was and not want her to change anymore. So yeah, I mean, I'm just amazed when I'm listening to you. You sound so much more older and mature. How old are you? 17. Yeah. Like you're so wise beyond your years. It's amazing. You have so many great things that you share. So like, what do you guys think about that? How do you keep from shaming or did you struggle with that at all early on? Or was it something that just came natural to you guys to have this nurturing environment that you have now? I don't think that we shamed him as much as, you know, some parents do. And and maybe we did to a certain extent, but we were always trying to encourage him to do things or whatever. and, And maybe that was not the right direction to go. But I noticed that everything seems so much different now with him doing this podcast and stuff. And and the first time that he left our house and he and he went to go have dinner with his dad, I mean, he called, he said, Hey, you know what? You can drug test me when I get back, because usually that's where he would be when he would use his drugs. And and I just turned to Beth and I said, Beth, we have to trust him. I don't want to test him anymore. And Joey will tell us. We have to know. Wow. 
And I think that was a big turning point for both of us, all three of us actually, where we knew that there was a trust. Yeah. Yeah. We knew that there wasn't this underlying, well, maybe this, you know, it's like, yeah, you know, you're still a little scared, but yeah. you have to trust, you have to believe. Exactly. We found, and I, I'm pretty sure this is something that came from uh, your coaching, Heather, which was so amazing for Jan and me, is that quit talking about drugs all the time. Well, except mm-hmm. on this podcast, mm-hmm. all over again, but in general life, and especially when Joey was deep into the addiction, I, we started seeing him once a week and just taking him out for food or whatever, or a walk or whatever. And we didn't ask him what he was using. We didn't ask him what trouble he's been getting into. We tried to talk about anything else. And so Joey would, so our relationship just wasn't always, what drugs are you using? Oh my God, uh, when are you going to go to rehab? Because yeah. that's how it had been. I was on the super mom track of, okay, I got to find you some sort of treatment, some sort of therapy, some sort of whatever to fix you. And it doesn't work like that. He had to just decide to that life was worth living again, which I'm so grateful that he, he decided eventually. But we wanted to make sure that when he did decide that, that he would have a safe place to come back to, that he knew that we were behind him. And it wouldn't be like he'd have to come back with his tail between his legs. It was like, no, come on back. We're we're here for you. We've always been here for you. And so I'm glad this is how the story has gone so far, that he's in a much better place now. Yeah, I was so happy when I heard from you guys that you were doing this. It was like the best news I'd had recently. So I really struggled with that with my daughter too, with finding things to talk to her about when I saw her. Like I would write, I would take notes in my phone and write lists of things that I could talk to her about instead of asking her or grilling her all of the typical questions. Because I wanted her to want to be around me. Nobody wants to be around that when you're getting grilled all the time, asking, you know, you're just talking about drugs. So I think that that was a great point that you made. And it is challenging because when a person's using drugs a lot, they don't have a lot else going on. (laughs) I'd be like, hey, what you been up to? And he'd be like, nothing. (laughs) The conversations were a little bit, it was a little like pulling teeth sometimes, but But can I add to that? Yeah. That was actually the best part about what Heather, I think taught you guys is because that it was so helpful when I could get out of that little paradigm I was in for like just those couple hours I was with you to just be in a normal life for just a little bit. Because whenever I, my heart is, to be sober on those days when I went with them because I, I knew I was going to see them. So that really made me anticipate being sober for that day because I was going to see someone that I really cared about and that didn't want to see me under the influence and stuff. So, But there was sometimes I slipped up and came over to them under the influence. But just knowing that they weren't there to shame me, weren't there to talk about drugs and my experiences, they were just there to see me was so helpful. And I really thank you for teaching them that. Well, it was a really hard lesson for me to learn with my daughter. And I think that it takes so much pressure off of the relationship when you just get down to the bare bones of, I just love my child and I want to be with them. And I want to keep that connection you're talking about. And I want to give them them those moments of 
being with somebody who just wants to be in their presence because they love them and doesn't expect anything from them. And I think that being able to get to that place for everybody is so just beautiful. And I love hearing about it. And I knew that you guys were doing it when we were coaching and it would just make my heart so happy that, you know, cause it's really, really hard to do as a parent where you just let go because most of the time, what parents tell me is they're afraid if they don't talk about it or bring it up, then their child won't know, or it'll seem like they're condoning. And I'm like, trust me, they know. <laughs> yeah, no, no, no. As a kid of a parents that now know, I know, I knew that they knew, but it was just, it's better to be, to have communication definitely. So that's why it wouldn't, I guess wouldn't work if they just tried to pretend if everything was not like, okay. Yeah. But you don't know it because I never, they didn't do that. So yeah, I'm just really thankful that they had that open communication. Yeah. We decided with your help and, and some other things we were reading and, and trying to figure out about this whole situation, we decided it's the most important thing is our relationship. Yes. The most important thing is not his abstinence completely from every single substance. Yes. That's not the goal, really. The goal is relationship. And if he yeah. has positive and loving and affirming relationship, he'll be more likely to say, okay, maybe I can lean off of these other substances and lean into healthier ways to deal with, with all these issues through relationship instead. So we're still working on it though. It's now he's sober and it's going great, but you know, we're still learning how to relate to each other. We had a couple of years of just chaos. So it's almost like we have a toddler in yeah. the house <laughs> how we feel i don't really even know what to do sometimes well yeah it's because literally i took a break from you guys mm -hmm. at the age of like 14 mm -hmm. and i just stopped giving a fuck really and then now i'm back about giving a fuck mm -hmm. and i really am 14 trying to rebuild and catch up to who i truly am yeah. right catching up to do. Yeah. But he's doing awesome. And we are so grateful for you, Heather, for your guidance. And it helps Janami so much. And we really credit you with a lot of this turnaround. And uh, just well, thank you. Proud. You guys came to me already on a great path. So it made it really easy to work with you and just see how much you guys are like the perfect example of just showing up with love in your heart and keeping that connection. And because those drugs are on the other side pulling so hard, like we need to be there to be able to just even have a little bit of influence that they trust us enough. Maybe they won't listen to what they ask us about, but at least they're asking us and not somebody else who isn't maybe going to give them the best advice. So. I wanted to talk about step parenting a little. And I was listening to your episode, the latest one recently, where Joey and Jan were talking, and I had to like turn it off for a minute. I was almost crying because it was just such a beautiful exchange between you guys talking about how it's really not so much a step parent situation. But I know that at times, like, when my daughter started using, I was married to somebody who was not her dad. And 
really put a lot of stress on our marriage because it's one of those things where you go through stressful situations in life, but it lets up. And that's the thing about dealing with a kid's addiction. It never lets up and it just keeps putting on more and more stress as things escalate. And so you have to work really hard at two things. So you're working hard at trying to figure out what's happening with your child and how you can support them and then working hard at your marriage. And I often felt like stuck in the middle because my ex-husband and I had very different views on how we should approach things. So how did you guys approach that? Because I think I hear that from a lot of parents that they are in that. Either they're the mother or father that they're with doesn't agree with them or the step-parent. I mean, it's the same. It's always whether you agree or not and how you come to a common ground on things. Well, I guess I'll step onto this one here. (laughs) (laughs) No pun intended. Um, The one thing is, is that I've been in Joey's life since he was about five. Mm. Incredible, incredible child. And Beth, the way that she parented while he was a child, I, I just was always in awe. And so when we started going through that, the one thing that kept us going was our communication and what we believed because it wasn't one of us saying, okay, let's just let him do whatever he wants to do, or we can't let him at the back of the house, or we got to watch this or what." We always kind of sat back and discussed different things that we needed to do. So we tried really hard to keep our communications open. And, and that really helped with when we came to see you was making sure that we were on the same page, that we were doing the same thing. I'd never thought of Joey as a stepchild. I've always felt like he was my son as much as he is Beth's. And she's always said that, you know, he's your son too. And Joey's always been a delight. He's never been the kind of child that said, oh, you're the rotten step-parent or anything like Mm -hmm. that. If I had any advice to give, he usually would jump right in. If I was teaching him anything electrical or, you know, since I'm an electrician or, or working on cars or anything like that, he was always right there willing to learn. And that really kind of built a beautiful bond with us from the time he was a child. So I kind of think that we've just kind of always had that, but we just kind of like step back. And we were very careful not to say negative things. We didn't want anything because you can't take it back. Once it comes out, that's it. And so we were very careful not to condemn him or or say anything bad. He probably felt that we were acting different ways or something like that, you know, which is, is very common for children. But Joey has been such a, a joy like I said, from the time he was a child, and it was so hard. It's hard to, you can't just turn your back because he's got an addiction. You know, if you really stop and think about it, we all have some sort of addiction. There's something we are addicted to. Like you said, whether it's legal, working, or illegal drugs, or drinking, or smoking, or whatever it is, we all have some sort of addiction. And so if you can turn that in and look at yourself as how have I dealt with my addictions? And maybe that can help. And so Joey has been incredible and listening to Beth and I both in our different addictions Mm -hmm. and how we've gotten through things. And so I think that's kind of kept us close Mm -hmm. in that way. So, but yeah, I just, 
hopefully whoever the step parent is can get on the same page as the parent. You do keep that communication open and work together in harm reduction or whatever you're going to do as far as supporting your child, because that's what your child needs ultimately. Whether they're a teenager or an adult, it's that support system that they need. Yeah. Yeah. I will just reiterate how helpful it was when you came in and helped us. I think we came to you when it was really dark, dark, dark times. Joey was using cough medicine and putting himself in the hospital for overdoses and stuff like that. And we were, Jen and I have always pretty much been on the same page, but you helped us really focus on ourselves. Yeah. More than like putting a magnifying glass on Joey to figure out how to fix that situation. Uh, You helped us turn it to ourselves as individuals and our marriage. And that helped tremendously. Uh, That's all we can, you know, really mold is ourselves. We can't fix anybody else, but we can work on ourselves. And when we did that, when we turned the attention more toward ourselves and to our marriage, that really helped the whole situation. Yeah, it reflected. Because once you change something within yourself, it reflects out. Instead of, you literally, it's impossible to change anything that's external from you. So once you change something that you can change, it reflects even more powerful than anything that you can imagine trying to do externally. Mm-hmm. Yes, more wisdom from Joey. Like That's exactly true. And it's the exact opposite of what our instinct as parents is to do. Like we want to focus on our kids and all we want to do is help them and change them. And it's amazing how by focusing on ourselves, it just turns everything around. It takes all of the pressure off the situation. Like you said, that magnifying glass or microscope or whatever term you use that our kids feel that pressure. And it is tremendous when they're already struggling. And so I'm really glad that you pointed out how much focusing on yourself helped the whole situation because it's really hard to do. It's like, it feels like you're giving up almost when you do that. Goes against all of your parenting instincts. Mm -hmm. It was really challenging, I have to say, but it really, really worked. And I I sometimes think of it like uh, Joey plays baseball and we've seen a lot of really bad parenting at baseball games. You know, (laughs) I bet. A kid strikes out and the dad's like, what are you doing? Watch the ball, hit the ball. I'm like, do you think he was trying to hit the ball? Do you think he knows he just struck out? Do you need to add to it? So it's kind of like that. They know they're screwing it up. You know, they know that they're not living their best selves. They know they're hurting themselves and hurting you. So some empathy and some letting them know that you're not just going to come at them and grah, that they're, they have a safe place to land, whether or not they're sober, really, if yeah. that they have a safe place in you that they can rely on. Yes. Yeah, that's so important. It's been like my bandwagon lately too. Every time I see something that says like, if your addict is happy with you, then you're enabling. But if they're not, or if they're mad at you, then you're doing things the right way. And that's like, so the opposite of what I believe, like you really can love somebody and nurture them as Joey says, and really still help them and not enable them. 
you can do really be supportive and loving and not enable. And we just get so many mixed messages about that. It makes me sad every time I see it. Because I know that there's somebody who's already struggling is going to suffer more because a parent who doesn't know what to do is going to see that and feel like they're doing something wrong and not know where to turn to try something different. So I love that you guys are sharing that message as part of your podcast as well. And there was an episode that you talked about marijuana. And I think it was really good to talk about that because a lot of parents are struggling because their kids are using... I mean, it's legal in a lot of states now. And it's available. Yes. Yeah. Not legal for all the kids yet. Oh, that's right. (laughs) So it's legal for adults. Mm -hmm. And so it's easier for them to get their hands on. But like when things first started with my daughter and she, that's what she was using in the beginning. And when I would say that to people, they would kind of dismiss that there was a problem. And some people might be able to drink and have one drink and it doesn't have an effect on their life. And some people might be able to smoke pot or take gummies or something and it doesn't have an effect on their life. But other people should never drink. It's going to ruin their life. And it's, I think it's kind of the same thing when it comes to using marijuana, whether it's smoking it or eating it or taking gummies or whatever. Yeah, the way Joey used it, he used it in an extreme way. He would use as much as he possibly could to get totally, totally gone. So it affected him so much. And people would constantly say, oh, it's just pot. Yeah. "Ah, He's only 15 for one thing. And it affects teenagers differently too than grownups. And then there's the whole vaping thing, which makes the pot way worse than what we had when we were kids. Yeah. Well, I was going to say that to a lot of people that don't know, weed is actually a psychedelic. So that in high doses, obviously, but the doses that we have now making it psychoactive to a point where it's psychedelic, but it is definitely something you shouldn't take lightly if your kid is doing, but obviously don't do what you're thinking is shame them and say, don't do this. Understand what they're doing. Okay. We got a communication. That's cool. Then say, Let's see how you're using it. If it's affecting your life, we should change things up. Use a harm reduction. Maybe if it, you're coughing a lot, use maybe just do edibles instead. But edibles, I'm just going to go into the scientifics about that really quick, is edibles are actually way more potent, I think a lot of people do know this, than normal just smoking it because it turns into THCA rather than just normal THC. So so you can really overdo it pretty easily Yeah, just w- brownies what, yeah. or whatever. I didn't know that. But it's safer than the smoking because at least your lungs are not getting damaged. Yeah. What's the THCA? It's a different... I think it's just another molecule combined to the THC. It just makes it a little more potent. Okay. Well, there's so many THCs out there. There's like... There's Delta 8 THC, Delta 9. There's now Delta 10. There's HHC THC. There's... What other THCs? There's THCO, A, and I think... THC like V or something now. Uh, there's there's so many different THCs. Each has a different potency. Each has a different psychoactive like compound. I don't even know half of the stuff, mm-hmm. but I just do know that that's how they're getting it legal mm-hmm. in smoke shops now. 
And also with the kids using, they often will go underground because you can't go to a dispensary when you're 15. So they get it underground and then you have no idea what's in it. You have no idea. There's been fentanyl laced uh, cannabis around here. Whatever is in it, it could just kill you. You never know. It's really yeah. scary. It is scary. And for my daughter, I felt like she was already struggling with depression and it just added to it. Yes. yes. Well, it is, it is a depressant. So people don't really realize that it's a depressant psych- and a psychedelic and a stimulant. It's all those really. But it does depress the nervous system. So it will actually cause like alcohol, which is a depressant too and a stimulant. It will depress your emotions. So when you come out of it and you're sober, it's just going to explode you full of emotions and you're going to feel all those emotions more. And then that's going to really enhance the depression, enhance anxiety. That's why people get a lot of anxiety when they smoke. Mm, And then just make you want to do more. Exactly. Because you don't want to deal with that. It's a cycle. Yes. Yeah. So is there anything that we didn't talk about that you guys want to add to the conversation? Well, um, I just want to reiterate that parents shouldn't shame their child and that nurturing is the most important thing from in utero is nurturing that child because you got to nurture them through like feeding yourself well, the mother. And then you got to nurture them emotionally, physically, and everything other around them. Because when they're pre-lingual, you're going to hold them. You got to hold them. You got to really be there for them physically. And once they become, once they be able to talk, you got to come at them with really nurturing tone. You got to tell them that it's okay rather than no, you can't do this. That's very opposite of what people should do because that's what people think they should do is like tell the child, no, mm-hmm. don't do that. But you got to really step back and really like stop that instinct and say, okay, that's what they're doing. That's their own. You're not them. You're not mm-hmm. their experience. You got to be there for their experience, not as their experience. Mm-hmm. That's really good. I think if parents can just try to. Th- be curious. Like if you find out your kid's using drugs, instead of trying to figure out how you made a mistake or what did you do wrong, like you as the parent, to try to think, okay, what is my kid needing that they're not getting? What are they getting out of the, the cannabis or whatever substance that they're not getting in life? And how can I help them get that? There's something they're trying to suppress pain or they're trying to they're trying to let us know something is not in balance. Something's not right. And if the parents can get curious and develop a relationship where you can kind of try to figure out what is it that you're trying to cover up? What is it that's so painful in your life that you need to use these substances? If you can get to that core issue, then yeah. there's a chance that, that they will decide that they don't need the substances anymore. Yeah. I mean, it took me a while to figure out addiction was or substance abuse was just a symptom Mm -hmm. of the underlying problem. And you just said it beautifully that asking how you can help them meet that need in another way. And instead of just getting angry and it is, I know that 
I can just still see myself and remember how I felt that struggle inside of me. One part of me feeling like I needed to be angry and I needed to make her stop. And the other part of me that wanted to be compassionate about everything. And I really struggled to find that balance. So I recognize how hard it is. But I think, I hope that any parent who's listening that's struggling with that right now and hears Joey's side of it or thinks about it the way you just said, Beth, or some of the things that you shared, Jan, I think that you guys are going to help so many families. And I'm sure that anybody who's listening is going to want to know more about you guys. So can you tell us where people can find you? If you're available, if you're doing anything other than podcasts, give us the whole lowdown. So you can find our podcast, Safe Home Podcast on YouTube and wherever you get podcasts, except for Apple. We're still struggling to get on Apple Podcasts, but hopefully soon we'll be on Apple Podcasts as well. But YouTube is an easy way to find it if you're not familiar with podcasting. And we also would love to come speak to groups of parents or teenagers or teachers or uh, medical professionals or therapists or anyone that thinks it would be a good idea to hear from a 17-year-old that's fresh out of addiction that has some really big insights. So we're available and you could reach us at safehonepodcast at gmail.com. And you guys have a Facebook page too, right? Yeah, Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, and TikTok. Yes. All right. Well, I will also put all that information in the show notes so that people will know how to get in touch with you. And I really appreciate you guys doing this podcast. I think it's such an important conversation that needs to be had. And I appreciate you coming on my podcast to do this interview. It has been really a wonderful experience. And I loved hearing all of your wisdom, Joey. I'm pretty sure you're like you know, a 75-year-old and a 17-year-old's body with (laughs) everything that you shared. (laughs) What was that? I said he's been around the block a few times. I think he's an old soul. Yes, you're definitely an old soul. So I really appreciate you sharing everything that you are. And so thanks for being here today. Oh, thank you. Thank thank you, you Heather, again, for all your help for our family. We're so happy that we found you. Yeah. Yeah, it was wonderful getting to work with you. Yeah. And a little slogan that we say on Safe Home is stay safe. So thank you all. All right. I like that. Thanks. Thank you for listening to this episode. If you want to learn more about my work, go to heatherrosscoaching.com. If you want to help other parents who are struggling with a child's addiction, you can do it two different ways. First, you can share the podcast with them directly, or you can share it on your social media. Second, you can leave a review. Talk to you next week.